Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today we've got a great malicious compliance story sticking it to a company that only wants to bring on men. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, too young to do my job? Okay. Back in my college days in the late 90s, I worked in my college's alumni communications center. In reality, it's a call center where college students worked to ask the low-giving alumni for money. The college had professional folks to handle the big mega donors. I luckily wasn't a student caller, which seemed awful. I, a sophomore, was, and this is the official job title, data entry. A quick sidebar, we also had a couple of call coaches who were seniors who would monitor the callers and give them feedback on how to do a better job at asking alumni for money. Typically donations in the 100 to 250 buck range. When callers made a call, they recorded the outcome of the call on a sheet of paper. I would then collect these sheets and then go to the sole computer in the caller center and record the data. Most of the results I entered would be no answer or left a message on a voice machine. Sometimes we got a donation, so I would enter that caller outcome into the computer and somewhere else. The alumni department would generate a donation envelope that was mailed to the alumnus, so the alumnus could then mail a check back to us. Now, about 10% of the donations would be by credit card. At the end of the night, after the callers left, I would spend about 30 minutes processing the credit cards through this dial-up credit card machine. I did this without issue for two months, September and October. Now enters Karen, the new boss lady over the call center. She finally notices the extra 30 minutes on my timesheet each day and asks me about it sometime in late October. I tell her that I process the credit cards after everyone leaves for the night. That's how I was trained by the previous data entry person. This upsets Karen, who says I'm far too young to be handling credit card information, makes clear that I am to stick to my job of only entering the caller's data, period. End of story. Data entry only, no handling the money. The money is to be handled only by the grown-ups. To be perfectly clear, these were credit card numbers handwritten on a sheet of paper. Absolutely no cash money involved on my end. So you got it, condescending Karen. I stopped processing their credit cards donations. I set them in a pile at the end of the night, right by the credit card machine. And with each passing night, the pile grows and grows. November ends and this pile's now 250 pages or so thick. It also wasn't my job to ask questions like, who's processing the credit card sheets? Since the month ended and no credit cards were processed, Karen absolutely failed to hit her fundraising goals. She starts to berate the call coaches and the callers for not doing a good enough job. Karen starts spending more time in the call center, watching everything and everyone like a hawk. I continue to do exactly what I was told to do. One day, she would offer a prize like a college hat, and then the next, a long lecture about how everyone shouldn't be lazy. 
Over the course of December, I keep adding to the pile of unprocessed credit cards. It's a good 500 pages thick by now. Compared to the massive piles of sheets of no answers and left a message, it's not very noticeable. Naturally, someone in the alumni department has noticed that the donations coming in are about 25% down over November and December. This results in me coming back from Christmas break where I get to meet cool Chad, the new boss dude over the call center. He asks if my job includes processing credit cards. I told him Karen told me not to, but I was trained to process them. In fact, I'm the only one who has been trained how to process them. He says, cool, please do process the credit cards. Cool Chad asks if there's any unprocessed credit card sheets. I say, oh yeah, there are. Cool Chad then asks me if I could get this done over the next couple of weeks. I said, oh sure, no problem. I spent several hours over a couple of Saturdays processing the credit cards. Cool Chad has the absolute best January ever in the history of the call center. The quotes are paraphrasing, it's been over 25 years. Why is Cool Chad Cool Chad? In February, Cool Chad gave me a raise from 8 bucks an hour to 10 bucks an hour. Thanks, Cool Chad. This is the least bright manager I've heard in quite a minute where they come in and say, only let the grown-ups handle the money, but then doesn't make sure there's any grown-up to handle the money. And you sure as heck know that Karen themselves aren't going to dive in there and handle it themselves. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is Marketing Class Group Project. A few years ago, when I was doing my undergrad, I was in a 300-level marketing class. In the beginning of this class, we were assigned groups that were supposed to work together throughout the semester. We were to put together a marketing proposal for a local professional sports team and pitch it to them as part of our final grade. Every topic we were learning in class was to be directly applied to our marketing strategy and the whole semester, our professor would basically walk us through from beginning to end on how to put it together. So early on, we divvied up roles for each person. One person does market analysis, another does most applicable marketing strategies, another person does budgeting, etc. There were about seven people in our group, so plenty of help to be had for the different parts of the project or there should have been, at least. We would meet up weekly, and early on, it was just kind of a roundtable discussion about what direction we wanted to take it. But as the semester went on, we started to notice some people were falling behind a bit. Each person falling behind apologized and assured us that they would get all they needed to be done when it was due. They were just swamped with other projects, classes, or BS. Come the final week, when we were to put all of our separate parts together and make it all mesh, Guess what? They hadn't done jack all semester. They might have had a couple of bullet points on their subject, but it was far from a completed project and basically something any middle schooler could have lined out. One, they are a professional sports team. Two, there are no other professional sports team of this sport in the state. Three, they have a large stadium, etc. I was pissed. I and a few others in the group had spent a lot of time doing the research and putting it all together in a presentable form that was sure to impress not only my professor, but the marketing team of the affiliated sports group. The other reliable members of my group and I spent a lot of late nights working together to cover for the other teammates' lazy butts. But alas, it was too little too late, and we were not going to be able to submit something presentable by the deadline. 
and I sure as heck didn't want a bad grade for the amount of work I put in for not only my portion, but for the portions of those who didn't do anything. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. I met with my professor during her office hours and asked for a deadline extension, to which she replied, Absolutely not. I made you aware of this project on day one of the semester, so you have quite literally had all semester to work on this. Why would you fall short of the deadline and need an extension? I explained the situation to the professor, who graciously understood what I had gone through. She asked me to provide a list of all the members of my team, exactly what and how much of the project they had contributed, and gave us an additional 24 hours to submit what we could. She said she would take what I told her into consideration. Come the day of the presentation, our professor was walking around with the marketing professionals we were to present to, and I think she was listening closely to each person's part of the presentation to verify what I had told her. Some of us knocked it out of the park on our portions. Others very quickly glanced over the topics. It was evident who was a contributor and who was a leech. About a week later, once final grades were posted, our team group chat was flooded with, What the freak, I thought we had a great marketing proposal, but that witch gave me an F for it, type of messages from a few of the members. I got an A in the class. Honestly, I'm just of the opinion that if a teacher assigns a group project, they need to be well aware to account for this contingency. Because a lot of times you'll have some really hard workers paired up with some absolute schmucks. This next story is regular schmegular assumptions. HR sent me an email after I'd mentioned that I had been having pain that affects my ability to work in the office and have been using regular painkillers to treat it. 
They emailed me, assuming that I was on narcotics or prescribed other medications, and told me that I'm forced to take a sick day if I'm taking medication that messes with rational thought. I've run out of sick days and it would be an unpaid day instead. They then told me that medications need to be evaluated by them and my manager to deem it alright for the work that I do. I sit at a computer and copy and paste information essentially. I took nothing more than a regular ibuprofen. But their assumptions led them to a tangent of legal jargon and what my taking medication could do. So I looked into our company guidelines. I also recently started medication for my newly diagnosed disease and one medication states that a side effect is suicidal ideation and another that can mess with rational thought. So I write back asking for their list of medications to make sure I'm complying with company policy since they said there was a list, followed with, and here are the other medications that I'm on, please evaluate them, since they highlighted that they needed to evaluate my medication and what it does. I complied so heavily, I revealed a diagnosis I didn't care to share with them, as well as a list of my medications. They replied back with, we don't have a list to provide you with, I don't have medical training either to determine that and it looks like you already took the liberty of ensuring your medication doesn't affect your work. All after assuming and lecturing me. By answering the company policy of all medications and narcotics need to be evaluated by your manager and HR, I managed to get HR to admit that they were in no place to make those determinations, could not provide me the list, and embarrass them for forcing me to out my disease to my manager that I'm not embarrassed by but would have rather kept to myself. They're already in some pretty hot water with our CEO for the way they speak with employees. Funny enough, this isn't their first time making assumptions, and the first time they did caused such an issue, they gave me a bonus. Now, I don't know where this takes place, but in most places, at least in the US, I don't think this is legal, like at all. I don't think they can say, you need to tell us about your medications so we can assess how it affects our job. I mean, maybe in some professions where you're managing machinery that requires you to have a complete surety as to the state of mind and well-being, sure, but the way they went about it, which is saying, yeah, tell us your medication so we can judge for ourselves. Yeah, that's not really gonna fly. This next story is, I'm a woman and I will do your project? Okay. This happened nearly 20 years ago during my first year of college. I was assigned a group presentation and placed with three random people in my class. The first meeting went well. When we got all up to leave, one of my male group members, who I'll call Tool, squeezed my arm hard. I looked at him like he had crusty boogers all over his face, yanked my arm away and asked, do you need something? He scowled at me. I'm running for class president and won't have time to do the presentation. You're going to do my part. I laughed. I most certainly am not. Tool put his face close to mine and whispered somewhat menacingly, You're a woman and will do as I say. I laughed again and said, I don't even know you, dude. You don't get to tell me what to do. Tool whispered even more menacingly, You are going to do my part of the presentation. And that's that. He then quickly walked away. I had no idea what to do. Do I tell the professor? Do I tell the campus police about him squeezing the crap out of my arm? Do I tell the other group members? Obviously, I wasn't going to do this guy's presentation. I wanted to get back at him, however, because he put his hands on me and I was petty. Then it came to me. Time for malicious compliance. 
The day of our presentation, and just before it was our turn to present, I handed Tool his project. A single piece of paper with only the words, Tool's presentation typed on it. I grinned and asked, isn't it great? Tool looked like he wanted to vomit. I then leaned in and whispered, you are going to get a terrible grade and that's that. He stuttered some nonsense during his portion of the presentation, and while I don't know for certain what grade he received, it couldn't have been good. I got an A+. He never came to class again and I never saw him on campus again. I don't know if he dropped out or what happened, but I do know he was an elected president. There's a lot of adjectives to describe a guy like this. You could go through a whole thesaurus listing them all off and still say, yep, everyone checks out on this guy. I'm just surprised they were stupid enough to actually believe their weird macho man I'm talking down to a woman behavior would actually force OP to comply. I feel bad for any other woman in that guy's life who apparently gave him the confidence to feel like acting that way will work. This next story is, you only want men? Okay. I used to work for a temp agency. We specialized in labor and construction work, but really if I had notice, could recruit for any type of work. We had customers that often needed workers with different skills and tickets, and some customers were just downright misogynistic. One customer called later in the morning and said he needed two workers and would only accept men. I explained that due to timing, I didn't have many workers available at short notice, but I have two women available that are very seasoned and strong with great work ethic. He declined. So I sent him the other two men I had in the office, who were two of the laziest workers I had, hence why they were not already dispatched. The customer called me at the end of the day and said he needed two workers again tomorrow, but not those two as they were horrible. I again offered the ladies and said how they'd been praised for past work. He begrudgingly agreed. The next day he called and said how they were some of the best workers he had ever had. They ended up working for him for three months, and he eventually hired them. So it's great and all that they called back and said they were the best workers ever, but it would be nice to hear that they apologize. You know, own up to it and say, you know, I'm gonna be honest, I assumed the worst, I was legitimately misogynistic in that moment. Own it and have some character development, have some growth. At least their eyes were clearly opened here. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.